Hello and welcome to Letters to the Lyceum. My name is David Gregg, I'm the Artistic Director and we've got a new batch of letters that have come in that um, we're going to share with you today. I'm speaking to you at the beginning of August. Um, it's a boiling hot day and ordinarily at this time of year the city of Edinburgh is full of people. And the Lyceum is full of people coming in and out of shows um, as part of the Edinburgh International Festival. And it's a time when people from all around the world come into the theatre. It's a time I really have have loved since I was a kid because I would come to the shows in Edinburgh just, um, just as an ordinary punter. But ever since I've worked in Scottish theatre, it's been, you know, really the high point of the year and it's the point at which you get to show your work to the world and it's also the point at which the world's work comes to you. It's a strange one uh, seeing the city empty and the theatre empty at this time. Um, However, there is good news too. The Lyceum was the recipient of a grant of £750,000 from the Scottish Government via Creative Scotland um, as part of a COVID relief fund. And that money is going to be fantastic because it's going to allow us to actually put a programme of work together for the coming months. Um, And some of that work will be online and some of it will be outdoors. And I very much hope that some of it will be inside the theatre, maybe a partial, small scale opening. Um, But the main thing is we'll be making work, which is what the Lyceum is here to do. And um, and, and I think what we've all been missing uh, is making theatre. But the building itself basically is remaining closed, although uh, there was a real thrill for us as the EIF shared their um, ghost light project, uh, which involved sending light up into the sky outside uh, the building, and also uh, a film, a rather beautiful film, which although it didn't feature the Lyceum itself, was really dedicated to all the Edinburgh theatres um, that the EIF work with. And also last night, Nature put on an incredible light show over Edinburgh with uh, lightning and thunderstorm that went on through the night. Um and was one of the most dramatic uh, things that I've seen in the city for a very long time. So we may be without the theatre, but we're certainly not without drama. And the festival is living up to its uh, reputation as having often the worst rain and weather in Edinburgh. So let's dig into the letters. And we're going to start with a letter from Struan, who's taking a practical approach to the privations of lockdown and who ends with an appropriate theatrical quote. Dear Lyceum, I am Struan. I am nine and ten in September. I live in Leith and was booked into the Lyceum summer school. Lockdown has been an interesting thing for me. I've been missing my friends and family. I've had Zooms with my family once a week and two times a week with my friends. I've been cycling a lot and taking up skateboarding. The links is so much quieter. 
so I can skateboard or run anywhere. There has been many ups and downs in lockdown. I've been trying to keep myself busy with things like dominoes, reading, doing exercise and generally just playing. It has not been the best, but at least it's not as boring as I expected. Yours sincerely, Strewing Gillies. To be or not to be? That is the question. We've had a number of letters from people who have worked at the Lyceum. And the, this one comes from uh, Michael, who worked with us front of house. And it's a lovely letter, but what it most reminds me of is the way that the personality of a theatre isn't embodied just in the bricks and mortar or even in the shows that get put on at the theatre itself. It's embodied in the um, greeting that you get in the front of house and the way that you're looked after by the people who um, welcome you to the theatre. And Michael writes about that really beautifully um, in this letter that we're going to hear from now. Hello, it's me again. Yep, the one that stood behind your various counters successfully pretending to know what to do. I still have the name badge somewhere if you need. Yeah, that one. I know, I wasn't there long, but you made an impression. I thought I would write you a letter from a distance. I realise the norm is two metres, but we have to make do with 319.5 miles. I'll project for you at the back! Anyway, I noticed, even from all the way over here, that you've gone quiet. So have we. For a bit. I suppose we both need some time to recharge. We're both tired, in a way, and unsure about what the future holds. We both miss how things were, while also desperately needing them to be different. I wanted to write you a letter from a small part of your recent past to remind you that, as difficult as it may be to imagine right now, I believe there will be a future. To do that, I won't write a letter about the building. You already know about all that. It's only part of the story and one often told. I won't pretend it's perfect. You could probably do with some new carpets. Among other things. Right there, I've said it. But friends often tell the truth even if it's not what they want to hear. But that's not why I'm writing to you. I want to write to you because all too often the curious magic of theatre is not just imaginary. There are no ghosts in my story. My story involves freshly baked treats snuck behind the bar. It asks, how are you doing today? On the way to count change. It's handy formulas scribbled on receipt paper on my first day. It's many, many glasses of water poured for people who didn't remember the upper circle was this high. <laughs> it's offering directions and running across multiple floors and far too many stairs to fetch the right flavour of ice cream. It's leaving behind my apron as a spare after I left because someone will panic when they forget theirs. If you're reading this, I've got your back. Most importantly, though, it's about bringing together people that would never meet otherwise. It's artists from Melbourne and Scotland working together. It's audiences who fly in from the US being shown their seat by someone living above a pub in Cannon Mills. It's refusing to accept borders in a time of devolution. So as the lights dim and the world falls into a hushed anticipation, we the students, tourists, regulars and staff wait together in the dark to hear what you say next. 
In the past, we have been transported to spaceships and highlands and villages packed with rhinoceroses. So, needless to say, we have proven ourselves open-minded. Show us where is next. The Lyceum is not just a beautiful theatre. The UK has lots of beautiful buildings, many of them derelict. The shell alone is not what makes an egg precious. The Lyceum is a voice. A voice spoken in many languages and eras. Irresponsible as it is kind. Fierce as it is gentle. As loud as it listens. I wanted to write you this letter to remind you that while people have a voice, you will have a future. That while people are isolated now, they will one day need to meet again. They will need to collect again. Because they need to be heard and held and to be kind. And when that happens, we will know that you are back. But first, you must hibernate. And I understand that. So while you do, all I ask of you is to sleep deeply. Dream up strange things. Rest well. Because tomorrow morning, you dance. Tomorrow you dance. What a lovely line. A lot of the letters we get are um, use metaphors of love or affairs or trysts. I love the way that our relationship with a theatre, with the theatre in general, has a little bit of the sense of romance about it. And that's beautifully captured in the next letter by Stephen Dunn. My dearest lady, I get the number 31 bus from the stop nearest to my home and ride the 35 minutes down to Princess Street where I get off and head up Lothian Road towards Usher Hall, which I pass and brace myself to see the first glimpse of you, the pale beauty that adorns Grindley Street. I had begun to accept your imperfections long ago and concentrate on what is essentially you. As I see your face, I feel the first flush of anticipation and excitement of what is about to unfold. I enjoy the comforts you provide for me as I accept your warm embrace. We share something. We share a ritual that is old as humanity, a gathering toward a common purpose. You seduce me with promise, with delight and with mental and physical stimulation. I am born and reborn. I am pulled and stretched. I feel love and I feel hate. I am transported to places I could never have been or can go. I cry and I laugh as you play with my emotions. And when it all ends, I make the journey back home on my bus. I bask in the pleasure that has been and which will return again when we next meet like lovers in a tryst. You see, you make my life worth living. I miss you. And I will wait for you. Like all those other lovers you have. Love, you see, like a cough, can never be hidden or denied. Stephen Dunn. The theme of romance continues with the next letter from Natalie, who describes a blind date. 
We're recent acquaintances. You could say that our first meeting was a Valentine's Day blind date. The date was certainly more enjoyable and entertaining than other dates I've been on. <laughs> Having tumbled out of the airport bus at Waverley Bridge, a bit travel rumpled and disorientated from the stop-start of Edinburgh rush hour traffic, I meet up with not seen often enough friends for a much-anticipated evening with you. After a pre-theatre dinner in a pub buzzing with the noise of good company and good food, we pocket the after-dinner drumstick lollies we've been given by the friendly waitress and step out onto the damp pavement. The short walk to Grindley Street, where the illuminated playbill, giving a hint of what is in store, takes us towards the crowd gathering outside your front doors. A pause to collect my ticket. That small paper rectangle of pleasing weight grants admission to the auditorium and another world. Your plush seats are welcoming. The glint of the proscenium and velvet curtains promising something different from the usual of day-to-day life. I look up and blimey, I see your ceiling for the first time. The glitter of that chandelier with the light expanding out, illuminating the brilliant blue and gold. What a ceiling! Our fellow audience members chatter amongst themselves, catching up, talking about how their day has gone. <laughs> then the show starts. The cast approaching the stage, armed with mops and other cleaning tools. <laughs> we are transported. We laugh. We are moved. We sing along in our heads. <laughs> I sneak a sideways glance at my friends. They are laughing and captivated, so all is good. At the interval... We have a half-time show debrief whilst tucking into our drumsticks and ice cream. Your house lights dim and we are transported back to a sort of Regency world. The show ends with a rousing finale. Confetti flying. The audience on their feet applauding. Cheering. We file out with everyone, laughing and chatting about the show and enjoy a few post-show drinks in your bar with images of past triumphs on the walls and tables. We see the cast emerge greeting friends and family, chatting with each other. It gets late, and and taking a cue from the gilded swans, we step out and into the swirling night air. We say our farewells with a hug and a promise for another weekend visit. Who knew that those hugs would be numbered, eh? And head our separate ways. Not a bad evening, eh? And now, Lyceum, your lights are dimmed, and all within is quiet. Resting, waiting. But I'll be ready when you awake to go on a second date with you. Natalie. The Lyceum Christmas show is a highlight of the year in the theatre. And this last year's Christmas show, Edinburgh Christmas Carol, was our biggest success to date in terms of numbers of people who came through the door. So many of you, I hope, will have seen it and will know Crawford Logan, who played Scrooge. And he's taken time to write to us um, and in typical style reflects not just on his experience making the show this year, but also on his experiences at the Lyceum going back into the 1970s. Good morning, Lyceum though I don't know what's good about it. And the sun's shining. Ebenezer Scrooge speaking. Can you hear me? No. No, of course not. There's nobody in. And you're dark. 
as I believe the expression is. Though I'm probably still paying for your architectural costumes and bling through my taxes. Bah humbug! And you can keep those damned apparitions and that manky mongrel Bobby locked down backstage and quarantine the entire former board of the Bank of Scotland and Mr. Travis's twirly-whirly moustache come to that. Super spreaders. The lot of them. More humbug. Bah! But wait. Hope our revels now are ended. Except for meeting one person not in a household in the park without costume and makeup. And these, our actors, were all spirits. So it comes to this that I was no more than a figment of the feathered imagination of Maestro Coney. Roger Daltrey sang in Quadrophenia Can you see the real me? Dear Lyceum, I can see in my mind's eye the real you. The real me has just auditioned successfully for my 72nd year. Rehearsals begin on May the 31st. Okay, maybe June the 1st, that's a Monday. It'll be a a big five star. Joyce. You are now 137. Are we still in a relationship? I ask because as you grow older, unlike me, you seem to become more passing fair with every encounter. Back in the 1970s, I relaxed one evening in the curve of your slightly faded auditorium when, quite suddenly... One of those glass lampshades descended silently from the front of the balcony above. Fortunately, no one died. You were less in demand back then, and attendance was thin. But you were clearly headed for the poorhouse, and there you might have remained. But for the love and foresight of many, here I stop to think of my friend Kenny Ireland, R.I.P., who sewed up the tattered hems, sprayed on the glitter and gave you the winning smile that now winks slyly at the unsuspecting Grindley Street passer-by. During an Edinburgh Christmas carol, I, or rather Scrooge, would wander upstage to join the carolers singing In the deep midwinter and my heart would miss a beat, but not a line, in turning to see my friends downstage framed, it seemed on the horizon in your high proscenium arch, and beyond dimly perceived a silent throng of watchers. Your embrace is as wide as a coliseum, yet so intimate that the least voice will travel to the edges. I have played the Spiegel Tent in Melbourne, the Smithsonian in Washington, several dusty West End theatres, darling, an array of variously questionable Scottish village halls, and a former Nazi munitions factory in Hamburg. But my heart will always be yours. Dear Lady Lyceum, jewel of our capital city. Nothing is certain. Only the certain spring. Crawford.
Crawford continuing the theme of romance there. The next letter is from Linda, who is reflecting on the shared experience of theatre going, the mundane but enjoyable things that we're all missing um, now that we're unable to experience them. Dear Lyceum, from one who is nearly an old lady to another who is. What I have to say is not an exposition on history of theatre and your very important part in that, but rather a note of appreciation from a friend who misses your usual lively presence. Your memorable performances over the years are too many to mention, but I'm sure you will agree that the local hero was a triumph. Do you think it credible to liken the villagers of Farness and their efforts to get the better of the Happer global giant to your Lyceum family doing their best to deal with this current global pandemic? Once their encounter was over, the phone in that iconic phone box still kept on ringing. Box office phones will still ring and keep on ringing. Perhaps some of us will call to buy the tickets with a bit more appreciation of what you have on offer. It isn't just a particular show, but the whole shared experience of anticipation, transportation to where the performance takes us, and reflecting on the whole event that is sorely missed. And of course, the meeting of acquaintances in the foyer and friends in the bar for a drink or two. Although there has been no opportunity in recent weeks to go to any live performance of anything anywhere, there has been time for imagination to take a dramatic turn. As a lady of a certain age, you are allowed to keep your secrets <laughs> and to be a bit wild from time to time. I would like to think you have taken this opportunity to encourage your ghost, Ellen Terry, to invite her contemporaries and all the Lyceum ghostly chums who would like to come back <laughs> to play to the echo of full houses. Imagine the reminisces as they read their names in their archived programmes. Imagine the best post-show parties in the evening dress and black tie. I bet you can't see who's who through the fog from so many cigarettes and long holders and cigars. What fun! We will never know what went on under the chandelier behind your closed doors in these strange days. Changed days. You have embraced the changes and moved with the times. Less formal, more daring, and willing to continue your drive forward to make what you offer accessible to everyone. To be serious for a moment. Article 27, 1, of the International Declaration of Human Rights, stating, everyone has the right to fully participate in the cultural life of the community and enjoy the arts, is an acknowledgement of the importance to our well-being of the arts in the wider sense, and to the theatre in particular, because that's your bag. Your brood appears to be untiring in their work to make that a reality. So take pride in this work to make your magic available to those who might not otherwise get the chance. Well, dear lady, while we are still uncertain of what your new normal will be, bring it on, Lyceum. Whether we have to sit two seats apart, wear masks or take any other precaution you must dictate, we will be back for sure. Good luck with the attempts to maintain social distancing in the queue for the ladies' loo. <laughs> All the best. Linda. The queue for the ladies' loo is a very um, integral part of the theatre-going experience for uh, uh, just over half of the population. It's astonishing the amount of time in an di artistic director's life which is 
taken up with dealing with issues about lose. That wasn't something that I expected. Um, and how jealous one becomes as an artistic director of more modern buildings where um, the provision is better. The Lyceum was built in the Victorian times when it seems that, um, I don't know, either there wasn't women or they didn't go to the theatre or maybe they didn't go to the loo. But um, whatever the case was, the provision wasn't good enough. Um, I hope that's something that we'll start to be able to do better um, as we go forward after all of this COVID crisis um, into a what they call building back better. Perhaps we'll literally be able to build back better. That would be a good thing. The last um, letter we have is in the form of a poem, letter from the old schoolhouse on Ling. Um, this is a poem uh, that has as its setting the Edinburgh Book Festival. The Edinburgh Book Festival is a place that I really love during August, and it's a place that many of the Lyceum's audience also love and feel at home in those book festival tents listening to authors. And of course, many of those books that we hear uh, first at the book festival go on to become plays, um, either at the Lyceum or elsewhere. And we, of course, have been involved with the book festival with our Playing With Books project over the past uh, three years as well. It's a shame that that isn't happening this year, but that's something that I'm sure will return. This um, poem is odd and beautiful and strange. I hope you enjoy it. Letter from the Old Schoolhouse on Ling Dear Tony Morrison, I don't wish you were here now, facing the Firth of Lorne. Your feet numb, listening for other voices. How did you do anything but be the mother to him? Afterwards, did you tend to yourself? I think of you on the pavement outside the writer's yurt in Edinburgh. Blue shimmer of cigarette smoke rises like a flower from your fist. I imagine you are content. Clementine Burnley And that's it for this month. We'll have another bag of letters next month. Um, and in the meantime, we'll have commissioned letters going out week by week. Um, please do send letters in. It keeps us connected to you, the audience. Um, and it's a lovely reminder for everyone of all of the aspects of going to the theatre that, um, that we all uh, uh, share. And at the same time, it's also just a way of staying in touch with the audience and having those conversations that we would normally have in the foyer or... Um, as we uh, uh, see you coming in and out of the theatre. Uh, so it really is important to us, and I'm really grateful for those of you who have written in. And if you haven't, please do please do so. It would be great to hear from you. Um, it just remains for me to thank this month's letters, letters coming from Struan, Michael, Stephen, Natalie, Crawford, Linda and Clementine. And I'd also like very much to thank Hannah Jarrett-Scott for reading the letters. Hannah's an extraordinary, talented actor who's graced the Lyceum stage a number of times, and I'm sure we'll see her again as soon as we're reopened. I'd also like to thank Chris Silver for putting these podcasts together and for coming up with the idea. Um, so that's all from me. Enjoy the rest of August. 
imagine the festival going on around you. And um, uh, I will uh, speak to you again next month with a new bag of letters. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Thank you.